This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. You're listening to Critical Hit on Joy 94.9. I'm here with David Gator. Welcome, David. Hi, thanks for having me. Now, you're over here for GX at the moment and then came down from Melbourne just for a bit of a break. Yeah, yeah. I had a couple of days uh, left over in my trip, so I thought I would swing down to Melbourne. I was here 10 years ago, so that I would is, catch up with friends. That is quite the gap in time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's M- been too long. Has much changed? Do you have many memories from back then? Well, I, I was only here for two days last time as well, but it was right at the beginning of the trip. Oh, okay. So I was very jet-lagged, and so my memories aren't very distinct. <laughs> so now you get to have a better look around. Yes, exactly. It's been some lovely weather these couple of oh, days. Too hot. It's it's winter back home. Uh, <laughs> it was minus 10 when I left, so to to come to a place where it's in the 30s, uh, I'm just dying. Really. Getting, getting your temperature bearings. Yeah. So um, you were down for GX. What did you think of GX Australia? Oh, it's uh, I've been to. I've actually had the the just been distinguished to be a guest at every Gamer X so far. So this is my fourth one. Jealous. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't been to any of the US ones. Actually, I haven't been to the US, but I'd love to. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's actually pretty busy. It, I, I've watched it build every year. Um, I, I really enjoy it. The the Gamer X Australia was 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 really great. I mean, some. Um, Someone asked me once what what was different about mm-hmm. GamerX or all the GamerXs I've been to versus other uh, gaming conventions. And I, I, I said, well, the thing about most gaming conventions you go to is that the people that are there uh, are there pretty much for themselves. They're, they're sort of in their own group or clique and they don't really meet a lot. And there's, there's some, they, 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 you know, there's some interaction going on, but... It's a lot of uh, very excited, but often either sullen or sort of uh, isolated people. And I find that uh, GamerX seems like everybody, everybody, is just very happy for everyone else. They're, they're happy that everybody else is there, and it, it's a very different atmosphere. I quite enjoy it. Everything feels very comfortable. That's how I felt. Yeah. Like it's you don't see any any drag queens at any other conventions. Yeah, That's something true. that we can say that GX has and PAX doesn't. Yes, yes. Well, it's just it's just a. Uh, it is a great atmosphere. Um, I think you have a group of people that are so. I, I, there are. Um, I remember when the first GamerX went up, and I'm probably there. Pro- it probably still happens. Uh, who am I kidding? Um, there was some question as to well, why do you need a GamerX? Why do you need a convention for gay people? There aren't regular conventions it enough. Happens blah, blah, blah. every time. It happens every time. And the thing is, um, something somebody who isn't gay would never understand um, how you have to have your filter up, right? Mm-hmm. At every everything you go to, whether whether it's a regular convention, whether it's everyday life, you live with this filter day in day out, where you have to be considerate of other people's um, comfort comfort levels. Yes, and, and never mind uh, possible danger to yourself. That that can be an issue. I, I find it pretty rare, but then I'm I don't know. I'm from Canada, so it doesn't come up that often. But you still have to be wary of what somebody else is going to be tolerant of or comfortable with so you're always you always have that active and 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 you don't really notice it a lot all the time because because it's it's constant right but when you have the chance to just let that drop um it is quite a liberating feeling and somebody who who is straight and uh, or not a minority just would not understand what it's like to live with, with that day in and day out and what it means to not have to employ it yeah, I'm sure our listeners could empathize. There. Yeah, I mean, we've all like even just 
going down to the supermarket. There mm. are ways that you feel like you want to act because it's fun and just being how you are. Right. But you can't because that's how it is. I know my partner in particular doesn't like holding hands in public just yes. in case something happens. Like it may be completely unlikely, but it, there's still the possibility because you're not sure how other people are going to react. Yeah, you have to censor yourself pretty much all the time. And it's not like, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, given my druthers, I would, I would, you know, flame out and, you know, burst into flames on a constant basis. However, even if just, just have always having that in the back of your mind and, and being wary of that, like, especially not being able to hold hands in public, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a limitation that's pretty hard to take. Very. Uh, Sometimes it's fun just to flame out as well. Right. Yeah. Sure, sure. But, and then flying, but then you face the consequences as well. And even if there are none, the fact that you have to be aware of mm -hmm. the possibility is a limitation in and of itself. And simply not something we had to consider when at GX. Yeah, yes. Everybody was it seemed very comfortable. I mean, it was a really good site for it, too. It was it was large, so everybody had uh, quite a bit of space. It was air-conditioned, air thank God. Thank you, Liam. Um, but uh, overall, it seemed like everybody was, was very, very chill. Lots of people meeting each other, and, and there was a real sense of community. And I, I think... While there is an LGBT community, um, I don't think all gay people, especially all young gay people, are part of it or aware of it. So for them, it may have been their first sense that there is a community, that there are people out there just like them. Because even if they know gay, other gay people, other, other I should say queer people, just sort of in general. Yeah. <laughs> um, even if they do know other queer people. Um, they're, they're, those people might not be interested in geeky things, right? So it's it's nice to, to to find other people who are interested in the exact same things you are. Yep, we're comfortable and we already have something in common. So yes, exactly. Everyone's got something they can work with in such a situation. I, I really enjoyed the con myself. Yeah. Um, just on that topic, what's it like being at a con for you versus how it is normally in your real life? Because <laughs> you're treated essentially like a god walking around GX. Everyone just loved it. Yeah, well, it's... It's a little strange, just because um, I'm, I'm. I guess I'm famous in a in a very select group of people, yes. right? So, I mean, my average everyday life, I don't really get recognized that much, and why would I? I certainly never expect it. And, and but you know, when I, I go to a con, um, suddenly there there are people there that know my name. That uh, that are excited to see me and run up or or get flustered in my presence and it's like <laughs> how do you respond to that I I, I don't I, I still get confused to this day or, or someone tells me they read read one of my books and my my first reaction is always really <laughs> I'm just completely surprised <laughs> someone read my book someone read my book <laughs> wow yeah um, it's amazing I was reading the Facebook comments I just asked openly if anyone had any questions for you before we started doing this um, and someone's like I have this question I wanted to ask David myself <laughs> but I was so starstruck I couldn't deal with it <laughs> uh, it's amazing beautiful beautiful thing GX uh, just to switch over to your experience in the industry now mm -hmm. you worked on Dragon Age that was your biggest series yes well that was the the series that I was lead writer on mm -hmm. um, I was also um, lead writer on a, on a, my very, my very first gig as lead writer was at, at for an, an expansion for Neverwinter Nights. But after that, it was making the Dragon Age setting and, and, uh, being lead writer for the games. Now, not all of our listeners are direct gamers. So right. if you could, could just tell us a bit about Dragon Age and what the game's like. Uh, well, it's a, it's a cinematic RPG, which means, uh, you're put in the role. Well, e each game had a, had a different main character. They, they tell very big fantasy stories, uh, big epic stories, uh, 
along the lines of, I'd, I'd say, um, Lord of the Rings. So that seems to be something that everyone's familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, and you control a group of people that sort of back you up. So there, there is a, a combat element to it, although it has difficulty settings. So if, mm-hmm. if that's not what you're into, it can be, it'd be quite easy. But it's, it's very uh, story and uh, relationship focused. Uh, there's a... That, that, that party of people that's with you, you delve into their their stories and sometimes you can have romances with them. That That's a, a big focus of everyone's attention. And uh, and as you're going through the rest of the story and saving the world, and, and uh, it's it's a, these are long, long detailed experiences. I remember uh, Inquisition, Dragon Age Inquisition, which is the last game that just came out. Incredibly long experience. Yes, yeah, so that could last upwards of 120 hours, I'd say. Definitely. Uh, yeah, so... The story is exactly why I love Dragon Age and yeah. other Bioware titles as well. Just that's what people think of when they think of a Bioware game. Or Generally, either the story it's or the, the characters. It's yeah. the story. That's what yeah. drives it, and the characters. Um, now, so during a period working in the video game industry, what mm-hmm. was your favorite memory of uh, your work? My favorite memory, you know, there's there's probably quite a few I could pick, but if I wanted to to pick something specific, it was probably when Dragon Age Inquisition came out. Um, Dragon Age 2 before it uh, had had sort of a mixed reaction from the fans. Um, it was a lot shorter in a, a game in length than Dragon Age Origins, and there was a number of things that were cut. As we only we made it in a year, which was a lot less than Dragon Age Origins mm-hmm. was, was made in. And I, I think there are a lot of great things about it personally, but I think it suffered in comparison. So a lot of the fans were quite upset, and I felt like we the the Dragon Age team had something to kind of prove. We made Dragon Age Inquisition. So I remember the the day that Dragon Age Inquisition was released, a lot of people from uh, from the Dragon Age team were on Twitter, uh, refreshing um, <laughs> uh, the review sites. Oh, actually, it wasn't it wasn't the release. Uh, it was just before the release when the embargo lifted on the reviews. Mm-hmm. So we were we were sort of refreshing all the review sites we could find because we knew a lot of them were going to post reviews for Dragon Age. We just wanted to see because we 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 had an idea that they might be positive. Because um, a number of the the reviewers actually came in and and played it or, or you know had had uh, done some interviews, um, so we, we thought okay, the general sense seems to be that they liked it. A few few of them were kind of middling on a few points. We really didn't know where it would land because positive can mean anything from eighty percent to you know on higher, and and we were hoping we were hoping for higher. And when the first reviews started coming in, they, I think the first one we we saw was ninety two. So we were we were just that's, that's over the, the moon. Mark. Oh, that's really good. And it, it, the the rest that followed were around there. And uh, I think uh, we were just hopeful for anything over ninety, and uh, at least initially, because I mean, uh, over the long run, the review scores tend to tend to come down a bit as other sites sort of pile on. And sometimes you get the uh, the sites that, that decide they're going to give them a sixty because just because they can. They want to be edgy. They want to be edgy, yeah. But I mean, Ooh, uh, why did those people give them a sixty? I wonder what went wrong. It was it was nice to see the the. It, it felt really validating to to see that that people enjoyed it and that people were seeing the things that we want. You know, we, we put in there, and we wanted them to see, and and then of course the the when the game the game actually came out, the the fans were kind of over the moon about it. So. I mean, uh, but that I remember that specific moment because we were all on Twitter at the same time, and it's like, oh, guys, did you see this? And posting links to the ones that had already put something up, and kind of squeen on uh, publicly on Twitter. It was it was a it was a really great feeling. I think it was like, I think the embargo lifted at midnight, and we were basically up all of us up till like two in the morning oh <laughs> <my> <laughs> tweeting <God>. about them. <laughs> 
That's incredible. See everyone, they're just like us, refreshing Twitter all the time. <laughs> now, you're quite a pioneer as far as um, LGBT themes in video games are concerned. Did you encounter any particular roadblocks when you were trying to have them introduced or write them into your plot lines? Um, you know, I don't really feel like a pioneer in that respect, just because I I, I wasn't somebody who, who pushed it at uh, my company. Um, the, the, the team that first did it um, was the Jade, they made a game called Jade Empire, which was a mm -hmm. Chinese martial arts game. And um, I remember when it was announced that that, that uh, the team was intending to include two same-sex romances, uh, I was floored. Um, I just, I guess I'd always assumed that that wasn't something that anybody would ever tolerate. And I remember we, we had something very close to it in, in the, the game previous, uh, Star Wars game. We worked on Knights of the Old Republic. Um, but we kind of, we kind of, hit it you know the the it was a lesbian romance and the character never really said i love you outright or made any overt indication that it was a romance so i just figured you know that's that's as far as it could ever go that i mean people have to remember it was a this was um uh over 10 years ago and it was a very different gaming industry right Where, definitely the entire media industry even like um we had tons of queer baiting like that yeah. back then where it's like are they lesbians are they are they gay no they're just really good friends exactly <laughs> so I, I i guess i just assume that that would never be and i mean i it wasn't like i missed it because i was just accustomed to that 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 part of my life and my professional work were just completely separate. And I'm sure there's lots of people today who would have preferred it remain that way. But uh, even so, when it happened, I was I was startled. Um, so, I mean, I, after, as soon as it happened, I mean, I was working on uh, the first Dragon Age game. And um, I asked uh, my boss, I said, well, since Jade, the Jade Empire guys are doing it, can I put something in um, Dragon Age? And he was, he was like, yeah. So... <clears throat> and and not only yeah it, it wasn't like i never i've never felt like i had to struggle at my company to uh include these things it was encouraged As a matter of fact i think i think more often than not i'm i'm kind of pulling back from it a bit just because i always worry um at 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 the amount if we put in too much uh gay content that that it could become known as sort of the gay game. Mm -hmm. There's a, I mean, of course, how much, how much do you credit that? But it's like, if you're looking at people who don't know that much about the game, but if all they hear is, is that it's, it, the gay it's the gay game, um, regardless of all the other things that it might, may do, or even things, content they may have that would be more up someone's alley. They may just sort of dismiss it. So I'm, I guess, I guess I, I, I've always had that in the back of my mind as well, but not, I, maybe it doesn't matter because uh, I think we're still well known for the, our representation and our, our. Oh, definitely. I mean, as progressive as uh, Dragon Age Inquisition is, it's still quite the ways off of um, being the gay game compared to things like my ex-boyfriend is a space well, tyrant. <laughs> yes, compared to, compared to games <laughs> like that, sure. I'm, but by by uh, AAA standards, I think we're Bioware is well ahead of the curve. Oh, definitely. Um, I remember hearing that Dragon Age and Mass Effect allowed you to be have gay characters. That was the reason why I picked them up initially. Because I was like, what? <laughs> there are games where I can be gay? That's incredible. I need to play these. <laughs> and yeah, that's what got me into it. So it it's something that was needed at the time. And we didn't see nearly enough. And still probably don't see nearly enough. Especially in a lot of mm. RPGs where you get character creation, but you still that's still completely omitted. Yeah, it depends. Um 
I mean, I think it's happening more, um, but you also got to remember too, it's, it's, uh, uh, making what's, what's referred to as minority content. And I don't mean minority as in minorities mm-hmm. as, as in, uh, you know, uh, gay people or racial minorities. I mean, minority content is something that, okay, here's something that cost the content that costs the same as all the other content you have. But if you have uh, if it's built in that only a certain number of people are going to see it, the number is pretty small, mm-hmm. then the amount of effort you can put in it is, is therefore limited. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are lots of different theories about uh, the benefit of minority content. But I mean, you're talking about something like what we don't know for sure how many gay players are out there. Um, we have a pretty good idea how many people used uh, that content in Dragon Age Origins and, and Dragon Age 2. And I think we, we were getting telemetry for Dragon Age Inquisition. Telemetry being uh, sort of uh, when people play games, unless they opt out and say, no, I'm not going to send information. Um, it just sends you know non-identifying information that tells us what choices they were making as they played the game. So we have a pretty good idea um, how many, what sort of percentage of players was were, was using gay content. And you don't, but that doesn't mean anything about them, right? And like the the uh, uh, percentage of people that were doing the the female uh, the the lesbian romances mm-hmm. was much much higher than that doing the uh, the male the the gay romances, um, and so but what does that mean? Does it mean there we have more lesbians playing the game, or does it mean that there are straight men who enjoy doing the lesbian romances as well? I don't actually know. Yeah. So you could interpret that lots of ways, but I mean um, it is a it is a minority either way. So. I think that many companies just uh, just uh, do one of two things: either think it's not worth it, or just simply don't think about it. On that note of uh, LGBT themes that were in Dragon Age in particular, um, you received well, Bioware received quite the amount of vitriol for some members of the community mm. um, in regards to the LGBT themes in Dragon Age. Right. How did you, in particular, handle such criticism? Um, well, there's always going to be a certain amount, right? And, and it, it, it comes disguised in various ways. Uh, some people try to objectify their opinion um, and say, no, no, it, it's it's just not good gameplay or, or various things. And some of it's just right out, oh, well, games have never been about these issues, so why should they include these issues now? Um, I think the my response has generally been, uh, well, look from a completely mercenary perspective mm-hmm. uh, you have a you have a company that's making making games the games which have been getting increasingly more expensive as they people you know anyone who anyone who out there who doesn't really know much about games if you just see the commercials on TV of the latest games that come out there they're very realistic and really like movies they just slowly cost more and more to to, to make you have games costing you know as much as the block uh, latest blockbuster hundreds of millions of dollars to mm-hmm. make a big game Therefore, they need an audience. They need to reach an audience that's as big as possible. So, from a completely mercenary perspective, um, it's trying to reach a wider audience than just the eighteen to twenty-five year old, you know, dudes who really don't have the deepest pocket pocketbooks anyway. Mm-hmm. So, there's there's that element of it. Yes, the reaching out to a larger audience, but then there's also an element of you know. Not every game is going to have things like relationships or, you know, the ability to, to even discuss or display sexuality in any way. But if you do, um, sort of limiting it to like, okay, we're only going to have straight romances in a game that includes romances. 
if you're not straight yourself and you're playing, it suddenly becomes very apparent to you who this game is actually for. Mm-hmm. And that's really exclusionary. So it's like when somebody comes in and says, oh, you shouldn't do this. It's like, well, here I have two groups, two different, two different groups of people that want something. So these some people who just want to be included in, in a game that they love and others that want to exclude others. And between those two, the ones that aren't, uh, um, that, 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 that want to be, uh, exclude other people they're the ones i'm going to going to disregard right and that's basically how i've how i and bioware have always uh, have always uh, maintained it excellent uh going on um okay. how do you believe the industry can cater better to the lgbt community and other minorities i <clears throat> i mean it varies I, I just think that that if there were if it happened more often and i, I think it is but if, if we had uh, more games that, that were including it just as a matter of course, mm-hmm. um, then I think it just wouldn't be that much of an issue. I mean, that's really where I'd like to get it. I mean, I remember um, for Dragon Age Inquisition, we did this thing where we were talking about the various uh, characters we included, the major characters. And I remember uh, one of the characters I wrote, Dorian, he's, he's, a, he's a gay man. Um, and in his... Uh, in his the, the interview I did regarding him, there were like fifteen questions where I go into his background. He he's from a place called Tevinter, and he wants to he he wants to um, clean it up. Basically, it's, a, it's sort of an evil empire. And the last question was was uh, oh, is there anything about this character you'd like to say? And I said, well, uh, you know, it's the first you know gay character I, I've written, um, and I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, the others have been have been bisexuals, and this is this is the first time I could write something that was really close to home. And of course, that became this big like like we like from the perspective of people who did you know really hate this kind of content. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like Bioware held a press conference just to announce they had a gay character, <laughs> like we were trying to score points with somebody. And and anything else I might have said about the character was you know made you know irrelevant as far as they were concerned. Um, so it just it seems like you know I, I just like to be able to do an interview like that and have people really not focus so much on one aspect. And, and I think the only way you're going to get that to that is by exposure. Just get these people used to having... Um, Prefer the industry to reach the point where it just expected yeah. that there are gay characters in a game because there are gay people in life. Right. And I, and I don't even need, think it needs to be things like, you know, the giant romances that, that Bioware writes. Mm-hmm. Just as much as, like, you know, you meet a character and instead of having a wife, he has a husband. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like, and it can be small things like that. And, and they, they just need to pop up every now and again. And eventually the, the, the dude bros that, that focus so much, like they say, as soon as they, they see it, it's like somebody was trying to say, oh, I, just, I just, I don't mind it, but I just wish it was, wasn't that deliberate and in my face. Like you're trying to shove it down my throat. That is in fact, that is the analogy they use every time. Don't, I don't even, don't even talk it's, to it's me. It's really but, questionable. Yeah. It's like, you just keep shoving it down my throat. And it's like, what is this imagery you have in your head? You keep using that phrase. Yeah. You seem to enjoy it. <laughs> you seem to enjoy that phrase a lot. Um, but uh, I, I think it's it's more it says more about them, right? Because they're noticing it. Mm-hmm. It's like it's there, and it's like it jumps out at them, and then that's all they can see. It's like, well, I'm sure if they just get used to it, they will it will stop jumping out at them, and and they can just go on with their lives. Because it's like if it's if a character is a def- the default, if mm-hmm. they're straight white male, they don't need to explain. 
any of those things. But as soon as a char- that char- any character is anything else, it's like they need a reason. And, and it's not just the people who play the game. Sometimes it's the developers themselves. It's mm-hmm. like they've got to conjure a plot reason why this character can be black. Well, or, you know, the, you know why this character's being gay is really important. I mean, you could, I guess you could say that with, I did that with Dorian too. I mean, his, his being gay was a part of his background. It affected his story. But then we had another character, a lesbian named Sarah, that her being gay did not, you know, didn't really affect anything at all. So, not in I, the slightest. I wasn't aware that she was for the longest time yeah. because I always played males. Um, but it's like, and I don't think that that necessarily needs to be the case. I mean, the, we need the Sarahs and the Dorians, mm-hmm. right? Dorian was the first chance I could include a story that was specific to a character that was gay, and Sarah was just gay, just as part of her character. And you know, if you weren't if you weren't a woman, probably you weren't even that aware of it. Although she would drop comments, so it wasn't like she was only gay if you were interested, right? Yeah, she'd make like um, obtuse, like ugh, comments to yes. the male ones if you tried to flirt with her or anything. <laughs> yes. Oh, she was a great character. Uh, sorry. Um, regarding, oh, I had somewhere to go on that. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was on a diversity panel at RTX. Yes, and we would. I talked uh, quite a bit about um, Assassin's Creed Syndicate because it has a much more diverse range of cast than Assassin's Creed is actually used to. Okay, and we had um, a guy come up to ask a question. It was really just a statement about how he felt as a straight white male about the whole situation of minorities being included. And he's right. like, it just feels like they're just there as tokens, and like even if they are tokenistic or you feel they're tokenistic they're still beneficial to everyone that they're representing yeah. so there was a um there was an indian character and you had a female protagonist and these are all things that they would just be white men otherwise and that's just boring yeah i remember the one thing uh, the the gamer gators seem to like to to pretend they're doing uh just for anybody out there who doesn't know what gamergate is it's a it's a group of uh, of man babies. Uh, they're not all men, but uh, they really um, their ostensible purpose is to save the industry from the forces of political correctness, mm-hmm. as they claim that that uh, that people who keep demanding political pli- that the everybody be politically correct or that games have uh, you know more inclusivity um, that this demand is our uh, sh- shackles upon the creators that mm-hmm. we're being restricted and, and we only do these things because we're frightened of the repercussion that you know people will yell at us. Although apparently uh, we're not afraid of them yelling at us, uh, so apparently I, I don't know why we'd be more afraid of, of um, the forces of social justice yelling at us than them. But than them, but whatever. That seems to be what they believe. But uh, it's like from a creator's perspective, we have the chance now to have more variety in our characters than we've ever had. That is a freedom that we have not previously enjoyed. I mean, it, it's still, we still don't fully get it because, I mean, the, 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 there are various forces like marketing that, that sort of limit what we can include. However, the, it's no longer um, default beyond a question. There is a question. There's a conversation now, and sometimes you get the opportunity to do other things. And so having that freedom... Um, as a creator means a lot. And I mean, yes, sometimes it, it, is, it might seem tokenistic if you have just the, sort of the one in the cast, but uh, 
Oh, no, there's, uh, I'm sure people might say otherwise, but uh, between having token minorities and having no minorities, I'll, I'll, I'll take tokens as a first step. Could not have agreed more. <laughs> uh, a bit of uh, tone change here. Sure. Um, the next question up on the board is, uh, what has been your favorite celebrity to, celebrity to work with? Um, there's been a few. Uh, I would say Claudia Black. She did the voice oh, for Morgan. Amazing. Yeah. She did the voice for Morgan uh, in Dragon Age Origins and Dragon Age Inquisition. Um, and she's she's great. And as a matter of fact, she was the first celebrity I got to work with. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I um, when I, we were doing started the recording for Dragon Age Origins, they brought me down to Los Angeles to meet with a number of the voice actors so we could do the first session or two and help them find their voice. Mm-hmm. And once they found the voice... Then I can I can go back to Edmonton and then they can continue because the the, the Dragon Age Origins I think they had like twenty five twenty six sessions each for the major characters. So I, I uh, went down and the first actor I was meeting was Claudia Black and I was very excited because I'd watched Farscape and I was a big fan. Um, and uh, uh, my voice director had told me before I sat down she said she gave me some pointers on talking to celebrities and one of the things she said is whatever you do don't compare them to other actors. I was like, okay. And of course, I when I sat down to talk to her, she's like, so what, what's this character about? And I, I you know, you, you sort of, I, I was so starstruck, starstruck, I just kind of drew a blank. And so the first thing I said was, uh, well, when I first started writing the character, the, the, the voice I had in my head was Helena Bonham Carter. Boom, dropped an actor. <laughs> and she looked at me and very seriously, she said, so what you're saying is that I'm a very cheap version of Helena Bottom Carter. And I was just aghast. I, I was so mortified. I could, couldn't even speak. And she let me stew for like 10 seconds as I'm like, ah, ah, I, why? Uh. And then she just burst out laughing. And she was, oh, it was so, she's so perversely wicked. I, I, um, I was, I was flustered throughout the rest of the conversation. And, and then when we had this session, she's in the booth. And she can't, she can't, she's, it's a soundproof, soundproof booth. And in order for anybody to talk to her, the director has to press a button to speak to her. So she would do her lines and I would lean over to the director and give them a note. And, um, he would buzz, he would buzz in and then Claudia would say, oh, does he want me to do it more like Helena? And I would just like, ah, <laughs> bang my head on the desk again. And I met her years later when we, when we did more sessions, and I was sure she'd forgotten. And I walk in the room and, uh, and introduce myself. She's like, oh, you don't need to introduce yourself. You're the one who wanted me to be more like Helena. I'm like, I can't believe you remember that. Oh, my God. Five years on, still uh, getting you with it. But she's great. I, I, I love her. We, uh, we, were, we, did, uh, we got to know each other in San Diego one year at the con there, and... Uh, and uh, she's just the loveliest person. She seems amazing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she I, really is. I first knew her in uh, Stargate, is where. Ah, yeah, yeah. From. After that was a bit after Farscape. Yes. Closed its doors. Yeah, unfortunately. her and Ben Browder got to reunite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they had a joke on that on Stargate at one point. Did yeah. they? I digress. Yes. Um, another question. So, have any of your characters been based on people you know? Not specifically. I actually, um, not on the people, but I do sometimes steal some of their characters. Okay. Um, we do a bit of tabletop role playing, or um, ah, I yes. play LARPs. Uh, actually, I've run a few LARPs, live action role playing, mm-hmm. uh, 
And um, I've never taken a just taken a character, and that's the one I'm using. But I have stolen kind of uh, their names or sort of their a few things about them. I was and, like, ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, I'm going to use that. And and they're always very delighted. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I, I, although I, there is a couple times where I've sort of rather than hear somebody I know, I've sort of taken a composite mm-hmm. of. Various things like I've had, a, I've had a, a you know friend of mine say, you know, this character, it's not in always, but some of the things they say, is that me? And I'm like, yeah, that totally is. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. That's yeah, good. yeah. So, do you have any notable examples off the top of your head that we would know? Uh, well, see, so, yeah, that wouldn't. If I was saying t- talking about the, the the characters they played, it would be meaningless to uh, you. That's true. So, like, you ever had somebody talk about their D and D campaign? It's the most boring thing in the entire universe. I have to try and not do that. <laughs> <laughs> I only just started, and it's so fun. Uh, but like, uh, 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 Dorian is a kind of a composite of of a, of a few friends of mine. And oh, that's cool. I, it's kind of funny because I mean, there's some people that say like, "Oh, he's he's a negative gay stereotype," and I'm like, "How?" You know, it's like it's like uh, I've got that a few times. Incredible. Well, some people seem to think that um, if a if a gay character is is effeminate at all, that that's not acceptable. And I'm just like, but you know, there's lots of lots of friends I have that are, you know, you call them flaming queers if you want, but they are effeminate. And it's like, are they not acceptable for public consumption? Mm -hmm. Uh, Does do gay characters have to be straight acting in order to be acceptable by the public? I don't even know. I, I think. I think um, that's that goes back to the tokenism thing. Uh, one benefit we had when we were, when we were in Inquisition is we had enough queer characters um, spread throughout the game that we were then free to give them unlikable qualities, you know, or, or negative, or just you know, not. The, if you have this, that, that this character is, they have this one character that's supposed to represent represent basically. Like mm-hmm. They have to be the perfect, perfect in every way. They have to be superhuman. Because you know any flaw or any negative quality they have is suddenly uh, a projection of you know like it's like you're saying a statement about that type of character, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have like a bit of broader uh, uh, representation in in the game, suddenly it's like oh, okay, we don't have to worry. Like Sarah, for instance, Sarah's Sarah's a lesbian, but we had uh, uh, other lesbians in the game, it's NPCs, uh, non-player characters as well. Um, that, that weren't even in your party. The, Emp- the Empress of Orlais, really important uh, story character, was is, is a lesbian. Things like that. So she was. I felt she was free to to be potentially unlikable. There's some people that really don't like Sarah. It's like that's totally okay. There's, that's great. She doesn't have to be the, the the a pillar of morality and the community. She can just be a character. Now I had a few questions from Facebook from your fans. Okay. Uh, quick and easy one first up. Okay. Uh, team Fenris or Team Anders? Dragon Age Two question. <laughs> I I can't be on a team. I mean, I, if it's a, if it, if the question is like who would I romance, I totally would not. These characters are kind of like my children. I'm okay with knowing that they have a sex life. I just don't want any details. There we go. Feel bad whoever asked that question. <laughs> I mean, I guess I wrote their romance, but that's that's different. Uh, you know, uh, there's definitely seen me the the romance as it stands when I write it, and then the character they become once it's released, and now they're sort of in the public domain. What they do out in the public domain, you know, they they can go down to Tijuana and get shit faced and 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 uh that's their problem that's their problem i i just don't want to read the fanfic that's all so okay well <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll change the question slightly then. Sure. If, you, if you're going to ship one of them with default hawk 
Okay. Which one would you push in? Well, Fenris, obviously, because I wrote him. Well, there you go. Yeah. Easy. Um, another one. Non-video game influences. So mm. tabletop or board games have influenced you. Well, tabletop. Life? I mean, that's what got me my job at Bioware. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, well, well, yeah, really. I mean, uh, um, I started with Dungeons and Dragons. This is this, like back in the day. Um, I started with the the basic box set that my, my parents gave me for Christmas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's just so alien to me these days. <laughs> um, some of the my mom gave gave me and my brother both the the Dungeons and Dragons for Christmas, and um, so that's way way back. And I you know went all the way right back up into advanced D and D, the first edition or second edition, and. And so I knew lots about it, and then I, I really hadn't played D anD D by the time I started with Bioware. But they were they were doing um, uh, Baldur's Gate two, mm-hmm. uh, which was a Dungeons and Dragons based game, and they needed more writers. So uh, they asked if anybody there knew somebody who a knew how to write, but b knew a lot about Dungeons and Dragons. And one of my friends put me forward without even asking, without even <laughs> telling me. I, I got this call out of the blue. It was very strange. But yeah, and when they brought me in, it was—I don't know if it was my writing so much. Just my, I had this in-depth nerd knowledge, and though, even though I hadn't played Dungeons and Dragons forever, I mean, I could, I could just recite things that I wasn't even aware were still in my memory. It's like, what's who, who's the god of the Kuotoa? Well, Blibdul Poop, of course. <laughs> that is wow, a, how do I know that? <laughs> that is an absolutely killer origin story. So this complete coincidence, <laughs> due to your nerd cred, you got into yeah. a job at Bioware. Yeah. I mean, actually, I turned it down. Oh, yeah, I uh, it was it was offered to me, and I I was I had a job running a hotel, which was twice the money. And Bioware, their old office, it, it looked very fly by night. Uh, you know, <laughs> ducked volcano on the ceiling. And as I, it's like this place is shifty; they could close down. So I actually turned them down. And, and but I went into the my hotel um, the after the weekend, and um, they I the, they they it was announced that they got bought out by a larger company, and mm-hmm. I was let go. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, so I was like, okay, I guess I will try that job. <laughs> well, yeah. happy coincidence. Yeah, it worked Coincidence out. got us here and all these amazing games. Yeah, exactly. Now, uh, just a few questions to close up. Just, mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for people who are LGBT and looking into joining the gaming industry? <sighs> That's tough. I mean, um, not, a, not every company is Bioware. Mm-hmm. It is true. Uh, so, I mean, I, I wouldn't go into it with the assumption that... that you know, every company is going to be full of it's. It's going to have this fratmosphere with a bunch of woo boys running around. I mean, no, no, not every company is like that. But how do you know? Mm-hmm. You don't. I mean, even in companies that are that are more progressive, you you could have that one boss. But I mean, I mean, if you're LGBT, you're generally used to that anyway. I, but I just would say, don't let it discourage you. Um, go ahead, go ahead, and and uh, and try and. Um, other otherwise than that, it's just a matter of getting a job like like anybody else who gets a job at, at a at a company. I mean, you could do some research. Mm-hmm. You could t- try uh, seeing if there's any people from that company uh, on Twitter or Facebook, uh, whether they were there previously or there now, and sort of hit them up and say, "Hey, what's 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 the what's the conditions like? How how friend, how good would it be for somebody who's LGBT working there?" Watch out for the devs that sponsor GX. That the good ones to look for. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and just on the other side of the coin, any advice for budding writers trying to get their foot out there? 
Uh, good luck. <laughs> not a lot of not a lot of game companies actually employ full time writers. So mm. you, if you're trying to get into writing, uh, it's going to be difficult. Chances are you're going to be better off developing some other skills as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, like game design uh, is is a good one. Uh, even even programming. I know uh, Bethesda has a number of their programmers who do their writing as well. So you can do it that way. But if you're if you're bound and determined, it's not like it can't happen. I, I just would. Uh, uh, say that the only way to do it is to do it um, right. Uh, mod um, uh, a really good way to get into to, to do it is uh, with Twine is mm-hmm. a, a, a utility that allows people to to write and and to because de- that allows you to demonstrate because it, it's like uh, I've had so many people that have come to me and say I want to be a game writer and I'm like well um, learn how to mod and they're like oh, that seems like a lot of work. <laughs> and they don't say that, but that's sort of the impre- the, the sort of the, the, the air they give off. I'm like, yes. Damn, I was hoping it would be easy. Yeah, working on in the game industry is in fact a lot of work, and uh, there will be days where you will have long, long hours. There will be tasks that are tedious that take months, and that's just what you have to put up with. And if you can demonstrate to the people that that are intend to hire you that that you already have an idea of what that involves, um, that you have that you have your leg up. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much for joining me today. It yeah. was very lovely to have you in the studio. Thank you. Uh, this has been Critical Hit on Joy ninety four point nine. This has been a Joycast of Critical Hit for Joy ninety four point nine. If you like this podcast, please rate us on iTunes and Stitcher. Achievement unlocked. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.